In this very first episode of Flying Smarter, I'm introducing the show and answering questions about ashtrays and the best day of the week to buy a plane ticket. Then, we'll take a close look at the journey of your checked bag and talk about how bags get lost. Welcome to the very first episode of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the wondrous world of air travel. I know that air travel can be confusing and frustrating, but at the same time, commercial flying is absolutely fascinating. There's just so much that goes into our flying experiences, and it's truly amazing how we've developed such a vast and remarkable transportation system. We only figured out how to defy gravity and take to the skies about 120 years ago, and then over the years we've built a whole system around flying that connects people around the world each and every day. There's two main goals of the Flying Smarter podcast, and the first is to explore and explain different aspects of the air travel experience. We want to take a peek behind the curtain and talk about the processes and the people that make your flight possible. And the second goal is to help you become a better informed and savvier air traveler by sharing travel tips or by simply helping you better understand what's going on with your flight. I hope that the podcast can make your flying experience better in some way. The air travel industry is currently going through an unbelievably difficult time during the COVID-19 pandemic, and demand for air travel has plummeted and not very many people are flying at this time. And you might be thinking that it seems like an unusual time to be starting a podcast about air travel, and you would have a point. But I also think it's a good time to reflect on the industry that we have developed and to learn a thing or two about one of the most remarkable systems that humans have ever built. By talking about flying during these difficult times, I hope that we can better inspire and prepare ourselves to take to the skies as it becomes safer and safer to travel. Let me introduce myself briefly. My name is Andrew and I'm absolutely fascinated by the world of air travel. I developed an interest in airlines and airplanes when I was a young child, and that curiosity has never left me. I've been fortunate enough to have had the opportunity to do a fair bit of flying over the years, and I've always approached air travel with a keen desire to learn and to know more about what was going on around me. And while I've worked at airports and I've learned to fly planes, there's just so many people out there who have different and unique experiences and valuable insights. And one of the things that I'll be doing is bringing these types of people onto the podcast as guests in some of the episodes. I absolutely love talking about air travel, and I'm really excited to be starting this journey. Whether you're someone who loves to travel and are looking to make the most of your next flying experience or you're just a naturally curious learner who wants to know more about how air travel works, this is the podcast for you. In each episode, I'll be answering your questions and exploring different air travel topics. By sharing our knowledge and the wisdom of our guests, Flying Smarter will expand your horizons and delve into the miraculous and often misunderstood realm of air travel. I'm going to start each episode off by answering some questions about air travel. I'll then move on to our main segment in which we take a deep dive into a particular aspect of air travel, 
or have a guest come onto the show to share their knowledge about a certain topic. Let's get started with some questions. Why are there ashtrays on my modern-looking plane? Perhaps you've noticed that your plane has ashtrays, despite the fact that smoking has been banned on planes for a long time. Now, there's two main places that you might find an ashtray. First, if you have a really old airline seat, there might actually be one in the seat, usually in the armrest, but these are increasingly rare. The more common place to find one is around the lavatory, usually on the door. And in fact, US airlines are actually required by regulation to have ashtrays on lavatory doors. So why do we still require ashtrays on new planes? Basically, airlines and regulators know that even though smoking is prohibited, there's still going to be people who try to smoke on planes. In essence, they don't trust people to follow the rules. And if that's going to happen, they want them to do it in certain places and have a safe place to put out their cigarette. They don't want people throwing them out in the garbage, in the lavatory, or on a carpet where it might start a fire, so they give people who choose to smoke illegally a place to put their cigarettes out. So that is why those are still a thing. What is the best day of the week to buy a plane ticket? I should start by clarifying that this question refers to which day of the week you do the purchasing of the ticket, and not which day you are flying. There's an idea out there that Tuesday is the best day to buy plane tickets, and the idea behind this is that airlines would announce deals on Monday night, and other airlines would be adjusting on Tuesday, or that all the deals would come out on Tuesday, and these notions were true and supported by the data. However, these days, this isn't really true anymore. The data from recent years no longer strongly supports the Tuesday theory. And this kind of makes sense, because airline ticket pricing has become more and more dynamic, and technology and algorithms have gotten better and better. These days, there isn't a clear best day anymore. A 2019 report showed that it was generally cheapest to buy economy class tickets on Sundays, except in New Zealand where Tuesday was the best day, and booking on a Thursday and Friday tended to be the most expensive. But a separate report also found that there was no real difference between buying your ticket on the different days of the week. What seems to matter much more, and where there is a real difference that is well supported by the data, is which day of the week you are actually flying. So in North America, for example, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday seem to be the cheapest, and Sunday and Friday tend to be the most expensive. And this makes a little bit of sense that the days in the middle of the week, and on Saturday in the middle of the weekend, are the cheapest whereas Sunday and Friday tend to be more expensive because people are either going home uh, from a weekend trip or going home from a week-long business trip, either on Friday or Sunday. For international travel, weekdays tend to be cheaper than weekends. For the question segment, I've started by assembling questions that I've had in the past or that I've been asked in the past, and by getting questions from people that I know, but I want to invite you to get in touch with us if you have questions about air travel that you want to be featured on the podcast, and you can do so by visiting our website at flyingsmarter.com forward slash contact, 
or by connecting with us on Facebook or Instagram at Flying Smarter or on Twitter at Flying underscore Smarter. Did you know that the largest building in the world by volume is Boeing's Everett factory? It's located just north of Seattle and has close to 4.3 million square feet of floor area and has a volume of 472 million cubic feet. The factory is Boeing's assembly site for a number of its wide-body aircraft, and you can actually visit the factory by booking a tour, although they're currently unavailable due to COVID-19. A good way to annoy any traveler is to mess with their luggage. Now, I'm not at all trying to say that airlines intentionally go around losing or damaging bags, and even if you think it seems like they do, it's just simply not in their interest to do so. What I'm trying to say though is that we put a lot of trust in airlines and airports to get our bag where it needs to be, and when they fail to do so, lost luggage can be a big pain for passengers. For our main segment today, we're going to take a look into the journey of your checked bag and talk about how and why bags get lost. When you drop your bags off at the check-in counter or at the bag drop, it embarks on a miraculous journey, often more complicated than that of its owner. Now, it shouldn't be that hard to get a bag from the check-in agent to my airplane, right? Well, the challenge isn't getting one bag to one plane it's getting thousands of bags to dozens or hundreds of planes. Plus, bags need to be screened by security authorities, connecting bags need to be routed properly, and oversized and special items need to be handled carefully. Modern day baggage systems are really formidable works of engineering, mechanics, and technology. And let's take a quick look at Dubai International Airport as an example. Within and under the terminals lies a sophisticated and vast network of conveyors, storage systems, scanners, and other mechanical equipment that make up its massive baggage handling system. The system handles over 10,000 bags each hour during busy times, and the system has a total distance of around 140 kilometers, which is more than the distance from New York to Philadelphia. With tens of thousands of passengers departing and arriving on hundreds of flights each day, these are the types of systems that big modern airports require. So what exactly happens after you drop your checked luggage off? The precise answer, as is the case with many things, depends on the airport you're flying from and arriving at. But here's an overview of the general process. When you check in, the agent, or you if you're using a kiosk, will attach a bag tag to your luggage, and sometimes there's some additional stickers that'll go on your bag as well. The bag tag contains vital pieces of information that's going to help your bag get where it needs to be, and without this information, your bag could be in the wrong place within minutes. Perhaps the most important thing on the tag is that barcode. These 10-digit codes are standardized throughout the industry, The first digit is the type of bag, for example, a 2 refers to a rush bag that has missed its original flight and is flying unaccompanied by a passenger. The next three digits is a unique code that the International Air Transport Association has assigned to your airline, and the last six digits identify your specific bag. There's some challenges associated with these barcodes though. 
barcodes and bag tags can cause problems if the printing is not clear, or if the tag gets damaged by rain for example, or it gets crumpled. To improve the accuracy and the reliability of this system, some airlines and airports have been investing in Radio Frequency Identification Technology, or RFID, and what they do is they place small RFID microchips in bag tags that can then be read by scanners in compatible systems. In any case though, once your bag has been tagged, it then enters the system, and one of the first steps is the security screening. Just like you as a passenger, your bag will pass through some sort of screening process to ensure that there are no dangerous or prohibited goods. When your bag enters the system, it gets scanned, sometimes over and over again. In smaller or less sophisticated systems, the tag might be scanned manually by someone with a handheld scanner. Some airports have systems that have big laser arrays that will inundate your bag with those red scanning lights from all directions so that it can read the tag regardless of which direction it's facing. If it can't get a reading, it then gets diverted for a human to investigate or scan the tag manually. Because laser barcode readers can sometimes have trouble reading the codes, some systems will use camera-based readers instead of laser-based ones because they have better accuracy and performance. Large baggage systems function a bit like a city road network. You have main conveyors that bring bags in a certain general direction, and along the way, bags get diverted onto side belts to bring them to their specific destinations. The system knows where to send your bag by scanning that tag over and over again throughout the system. As your bag approaches a fork in the road, it passes by one of those laser arrays that then tells a metal flap or some sort of divider which way to divert your bag. This is why your bag tag is so important. At some point though, your bag will get to a point where it's manually loaded onto a container or onto a luggage cart that is then brought to the aircraft. And when your flight arrives at its destination airport, a similar process happens in reverse. Your bags get loaded off the plane, onto a trolley or truck of some sort, it gets driven somewhere, and then gets put on a conveyor belt to make its way to the baggage claim. Of course, not all airports have these fancy systems that have all the features that I just talked about. If you're flying from an airport that sees only 3 or 5 flights a day, the baggage system might just consist of a few people, a room, and a single carousel. But at airports that see lots of traffic, your bags will go on quite the journey. Now, how do bags get lost? Standing at the carousel and watching all your fellow passengers get their bags and leave the airport while your bag never arrives is truly an awful feeling. At this point, I should probably mention that airlines and airports prefer to use terms like misdirected or mishandled to refer to bags that don't arrive where and when they are supposed to. And to be fair, these terms are usually accurate. Only a small portion of bags actually end up getting lost. In most cases where people say that an airline lost their luggage, it actually just arrived late. So how do bags end up being misdirected or mishandled then? Well, your bag is handled by machines and human beings, and we know that things can go wrong with both of these things. Technology can malfunction, and humans can make mistakes. Sometimes, your missing bag situation might be caused by something as simple as a baggage handler loading your bag onto the wrong cart, or maybe it got pulled for extra screening and didn't make the flight in time. 
Flight connections are also a major culprit behind baggage problems. If you've got a tight connection and are running through the terminal to catch your next flight, there's a decent chance that your bag isn't making it to the plane with the same speed. Or your bag might have been transferred incorrectly or get stuck in a storage section of the baggage system that is used for long transfer times. It's also possible that your missing bag has nothing to do with the system itself. You may have heard announcements in the baggage claim areas that remind passengers to check the bag tag to ensure that the bag they collected is the correct one. Perhaps unsurprisingly, many people don't really do this, and this leads to people taking the wrong bag. Now, there's two pieces of good news here. First of all, airlines are losing less bags and they're getting better at finding missing bags. Airline baggage performance has improved over the past few decades. And the other good news is that if your bag doesn't arrive on the carousel, you still have a pretty decent chance of getting your bag back. Airlines are usually able to track down your bag and get it sent to the proper destination just on a later flight. If someone else took your bag, chances are they're going to return to the airport as soon as they realize it's not theirs. Airlines will often also have systems in place to compensate passengers for delayed bags and reimburse them for additional expenses that they might incur as a result. If you're traveling on a multi-segment journey and will have traveled onward by the time your delayed bag is supposed to arrive, the airline might also be able to deliver it to a different destination so that it can meet up with you there. In some cases though, bags will actually get lost. Weeks will go by and the airline still can't figure out where your bag is and in these cases they'll also have some sort of compensation scheme. Now it's awful when passengers have to wait for bags that never arrive but sometimes the opposite actually happens. Sometimes bags will arrive at the right destination and nobody ever comes to pick them up. They're left on the carousel until after all the passengers have left, and they end up sitting in some sort of storage room for a while until the airline finally declares them unclaimed. Airlines can then dispose of the luggage, usually by donating or by selling it. In the United States, many airlines have purchasing agreements with the Unclaimed Baggage Center, located in Scottsboro, Alabama. What they do there is try to sell, repurpose, recycle, or donate as much as they can. You can actually go visit their store, which is bigger than the size of a city block, or you can shop online on their website. They've found some strange things over the years, from movie props, to live animals, to a NASA space shuttle camera, to ancient Egyptian artifacts. Now, whether your bag is lost or it's delayed, the experience is inconvenient, if not annoying and problematic, so there's a few things that you can do to save yourself some potential headaches. When you check your bag, you're given a bag tag that includes information such as that 10-digit code I was talking about earlier. Make sure you hold on to this, and it's a good idea to take a picture of it or write down the number in case you have to hand it over to the airline if your bag goes missing. Taking a photo of your bag can also be helpful if you have to report it missing. Another thing that you can do is make a list of items in your checked bag and their approximate value. While this does require a bit of effort, it can come in handy if you have to report your bag missing later or have to file a claim of some sort. Marking your bag with something unique, like a strap or a ribbon, can help prevent other people from taking your bag by accident.
make sure you peel off any old bag tags or stickers with barcodes, as these can confuse scanning systems, which can lead to problems when it comes to delivering your luggage. Finally, always assume that your bag could get lost or delayed. You therefore want to keep valuables and essential medication in your carry-on bags, and it's also a good idea to pack a change of clothes in your carry-on in case your checked bag goes missing. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of Flying Smarter. Like I said at the beginning, I'm super excited to start this podcasting journey and to share my love and fascination for the world of air travel. Our next episode is available online now, and in it, we have our very first guest. Subscribe to the show on your podcast app and go check out the next episode 